Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Tech Doctor podcast. I'm Robert, one of the Tech Doctors. The other Tech Doctor for this one is Lisa Salinger. And good evening, Lisa. Welcome back to part four. Good evening. Thank you. Yeah, we've been doing a series on low-cost Braille displays, and we covered a couple of them that we both have, the Orbit Reader and the Braille Me, and please go back and listen to those podcasts. Those would be part three and part two of this series. Part one is kind of an introduction to low-cost Braille. But this one, part four, we happen to have a third Braille display that we both share in common, which is a humanware device called the Brilliant BI-14, and the BI stands for Braille Interface, and so it is a really all-Braille device with 14 cells and some interesting features. Yeah, it differs quite a lot from the BrailleMe and the Orbit Reader. The BrailleMe and the Orbit Reader are sort of like brother and sister, and this is sort of like their cousin. (laughs) It has some differences. It is a little more expensive. It has fewer cells. It basically handles information differently. Yes. But there's a lot, I think anyway, a lot to like about this little display. Well, you're right to say little display. It's a very small device. It comes in a, what I think is a pretty nice leather case. This is a little bit over the top, but it almost feels like a large man's wallet. Not a billfold like you'd have in a back pocket, but like a a wallet that you'd kind of carry in your hand. It's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it, it does sort of feel like that. And it feels like nice leather. It doesn't have any pockets or anything. It just has the space for the Brilliant. And it actually fits in the case or stays in the case by some Velcro that's on the bottom of the case and on the bottom of the Brilliant you put it in the case and the Velcro holds it in place. How has that arrangement worked out for you? The fact that there isn't a pocket on this case to me isn't an issue because it's not like it's an audio device where you would want to maybe have headphones and it doesn't use removable media so you don't need really a pocket for anything. You can get a case for Brilliant BI-14 from Executive Products. And I haven't seen it, but as I understand, it does have a pocket. I really like this case. It has like a little fold-over thing to secure it shut with a magnet, so you're not dealing with Velcro there. I did have a problem when I got this regarding the Velcro, because there is a lanyard that attaches to the Brilliant BI itself. So if you didn't want to have it in the case, you could just wear the unit around your neck. Mm -hmm. However, I do want it in the case. And when I put it around my neck and I stood up, the first sound I heard was the clunk of the case hitting the floor. I've never seen such anemic Velcro. My Velcro didn't have any oomph whatsoever, Mm. but it was easily fixed. I went to the store and I bought some Velcro and I cut it to size and I just put it over the old Velcro, both on the unit and in the case. And now I don't think even the apocalypse would remove it from the case. Okay. It can be removed, but it's it's in there quite sturdily. So Uh I did have to make that small modification. I guess I was fortunate. I didn't have that problem. My Velcro 
holds it in there just fine. There are four of us that I know personally who have these units, and two of us had the problem and two of us did not. You're right. This little display is a bit more expensive than around the five to $600 range that the Orbit Reader and the Braille Me cost. I paid eight seventy five, and I got it from Roger Bim. I was very pleased with how easily and quickly the ordering went and the shipping went and I got it and it was in a uh, in its box and Roger had labeled the box in braille with a serial number on top of the box he sent me a copy of the user's guide in braille of the the at least the purchasing part of the three that I bought the, the brilliant was certainly the easiest and smoothest to to make happen and he said he would ship it out the next day, and he did. I had it within a, a couple of days. So uh, that part of it went very smoothly, and that was back in December when I got mine. I, I believe this device has been out since sometime late last summer, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. I did not order mine through a vendor. I was able to trade with someone. I traded my Vario Ultra. The reason that they wanted to trade is worth mentioning here. They wanted to trade because they thought that they were getting a standard note taker. And this, I would not describe it necessarily as a note taker as we know it. You can't load files or documents onto it, at least not in its present situation. It is built around the principles of notes. So you have local notes and you can write notes. So in that sense, it is a note taker. But again, you can't load files onto it. It just occurred to me that we really haven't described this device. As we said, it has 14 Braille cells. But Starting first at the very top of the unit, you have the eight Braille keys. So you have the six standard dots, and then you have dots seven and eight, or your backspace and enter. I found this keyboard layout a little interesting. What are your thoughts on it? I'm okay with the keyboard keys that you've just described. I'm not crazy about the way that the space bar is all the way at the other end of the uh, device just in front of the Braille display. So you've got the keyboard on top sort of at the back of the device and mm -hmm. in the very front you have the space bar. And it's not terribly far because it's a, it's a really small device. But working with the keys just feels a little strange to me okay that wasn't actually my particular issue and i've tried to like mock type and because i thought about this well what if the the space bar and the braille display positions were reversed and actually i found that if the space bar were up higher and this is just in my imaginary brailing mm -hmm. that it was very uncomfortable to type that way okay that it like it hurt my hands it cramped everything up so i I actually think, at least for me, that the space bar being at the bottom is a good thing. The thing I'm not overly crazy about, although it's certainly not a deal breaker, the dots one and four keys are pretty close together. Yes, they are. 
And so if you're just used to reaching over and hitting a key with one hand, you almost have to count or feel mm -hmm. more because you don't have that yeah. space. I'd like to have seen them put a little more space between the dots one and four, but given the constraints of the unit, they really didn't have room to do that. These are very long, thick sort of keys, a lot like what we used to have on the old Braille and Speak. I wouldn't even say they're overly long. They are rectangular, but they are thick. Uh-huh. At the top of those keys, kind of at the apex where the dots one and four sort of come together, there is a little joystick. And it's not, don't picture a joystick like a video game controller. It's basically a little, oh, half inch tall, little round nib sort of. Yeah. And you can manipulate it with a finger. You can do up, down, left, right, or you can just push straight down on it. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny little joystick. I have not found the joystick, at least my operation of it, to be completely reliable, kind of depending on which finger I use or exactly how hard I press on it. It, it will go where it's supposed to, or it may skip something once in a while, or may take me into an item when I was actually trying to cross over the item and get to the next item. Have you experienced anything like that? A little bit, but I don't know if it's the joystick or if it's good old fashioned user error. I think it's user yeah. error. I think, but, but I think the tiny joystick invites some user error. Yes, it's kind of a very fine motor skill sort of thing. Yeah, I don't really think there's anything wrong with my hardware, although I wouldn't be surprised if their firmware, the software, might be a little buggy sometimes when you're using the joystick. I wouldn't be surprised to, to discover that. The other thing that I don't know why exactly for me, but I don't find myself to be somehow as accurate when typing on this keyboard as I am on, say, the HIMS keyboard. I find myself making a lot of typos. I find I do that more in general with Braille keyboards. And I think that that is simply because I'm not doing it as often. It's not that I forget the letters, but like the muscle memory sort of isn't there. And also, I find that I actually do better when I type on a regular keyboard because your fingers are stretching, they're extending more, they're moving. You're up and over to get to the T and down with this finger to get the X or the C. So there's more range of motion in your hands. Whereas with the Braille, your fingers are just kind of going up and down, up and down in the same mm -hmm. place. And so I think that could make the whole process of having errors be a little more common, perhaps. Perhaps, but you are right, you know, the, the, when you put your fingers on this brilliant keyboard, the, your index fingers are, are very close together on, on the dot one and the dot four. They're almost pointed toward each other like uh -huh. they're making an upside down V. Yeah. It's not really strongly so, but it kind of has that feel. For me, at least, the keyboard is not my favorite thing. It's not a showstopper, but for me personally, I, I'm not just wild about the keyboard. I like it pretty well. I do have small hands, so I think it's a nice keyboard for me. One thing that's really different and took me some getting used to was there aren't cursor routing keys. There aren't actual keys. 
there are sensors Mm -hmm. and they are right above the braille display and you don't press on a key at first i was thinking like there are little holes sort of little indentations Mm -hmm. and i was thinking that you pressed on the indentations and you don't you press right in front of them but it does work the same as an actual physical cursor routing button to round out the unit as we said the space bar is below and then on the front edge of the unit are four thumb keys these are long and they're thin uh, thinner than what you would traditionally see on a braille note of any kind but they look very familiar when you see them you think oh you know I've I've seen these. I've done this before. Yeah, if you've touched the Humanware product, you 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 quickly know that the thumb keys are the Humanware trademark. But you're right. When I think about it, they are much thinner. Right, right. On the very bottom of the case, you have your serial number in print and braille. On the back edge of the case, there is a switch, and if you leave it switched to the left that's where you're kind of inputting braille if you switch it to the right it kind of goes into its connectivity mode and that's where you would use it with ios or android or a screen reader yes then on the left there's nothing really on the right side and then on the left side there is a power button that is marked with a dot and in front of that is a micro usb port and that's how you would connect the unit to charge its battery and to use it wired with a screen reader this device is really small and thin i think it only weighs about a half a pound almost like nothing to carry either over your shoulder or in a if you carried it in a bag or a backpack or something you wouldn't even notice that it's in there but the fact that it is so light i have trouble using it with it sitting on my lap or on a table because when i try to press the thumb keys if i don't take my fingers off the display and sort of hold the back of the unit the unit will slide away from me it works better around my neck on its lanyard I don't have a problem pressing the thumb keys, but then it's a little bit harder to type with it for me, just kind of pressed up against my stomach. So I don't know whether to be thrilled about its lightness when I am when I'm carrying it, but not quite so much when I'm using it. I don't know if you've had any kind of experience like that or not. Not especially. I'm actually very comfortable with it. I generally don't type on it unless I'm wearing it around my neck. So Mm -hmm. I think I've just gotten really used to holding the thing against my abdomen and kind of typing that way. That's very natural to me. I've done that since the Braille and Speak days. So that's kind of the beauty. You know, your mileage may vary. Yeah. Especially with this one, I'm finding that our experiences are somewhat different more so than they were with either the Orbit Reader or the Braille Me. And these things that I'm mentioning are sort of minor in in most respects. I certainly can wear it and type on it and can operate it and have successfully taken it into 
meetings or other places and taken notes on it. So it's very usable. This is the only one that I really feel almost have to have it around my neck to to really use it efficiently, which, you know, I don't know if that would be true for everyone, but, but that's kind of been my experience with it so far. Not that I feel like there are a lot of them, but I feel like I could more easily forgive kind of a multitude of, of shortcomings because it is so little. I have a fairly respectable size purse, but even if I had a smaller purse, especially without the case, you could put this in a purse and you really wouldn't notice. To me, any adjustment I have to do to compensate for anything is is okay because the convenience and the small size to me really makes it great. The one thing that I really hope they will change at some point that I find uncomfortable more with reading is you can't change the order of the thumb keys like you can on the braille note. Mm -hmm. So you're set with their particular way of navigating. And I do wish that that could change because that impacts my reading experience more than even whether or not I wear it or the position that it's in. Mm. Yeah, the way that it's set up is the innermost uh, two thumb keys are your panning keys, and the outer thumb keys are used to change to the next item. And I like the panning keys on the inside, but I wish I could reverse them. I'm a right-handed person, but I guess for the humanware thumb keys, I prefer at least what the Braille note referred to as the left-handed layout. Hmm. I would guess that that could be something they could do in a firmware revision. Well, let's talk about firmware a bit. I kind of have three wish items for revisions. And, you know, everybody, again, everybody's choices and priorities will vary. But that is one. I would really like to see the ability to customize the thumb key set. The other thing that I would like to see, and I'm sure we'll be talking about both of these two aspects of the unit in more detail, but you can currently create local notes. So they don't go to the cloud. They don't go anywhere. But the unfortunate thing with those local notes is that there is at present no way to back them up. So for example, I have a credit card number written as a local note because I don't want that going up to the cloud. But if my unit were to freeze up and lose its mind, which it has not done, thankfully, but if it were, and that were the only place that I had it stored, which I don't because I trust nothing, uh, <laughs> then I would be up the creek. So I'd like to see there be a backup kind of utility. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you have the micro USB port. And this thing has, I believe, eight gigs of memory. And so hopefully at some point, we will be able to add files. This is, of the three lower cost items that we've discussed, this is the quietest of them from a reading standpoint. It's what you would expect of a traditional note taker. And especially sometimes if I'm making a recording and I have notes, I would really like to be able to transfer those notes here As of right now, I end up copying them by hand, which is tedious, and in this day and age, to me at least, seems really unnecessary. This unit uses the old-style P3 
piezo technology to display its braille, which is the kind of braille displays essentially we've had for the last 40 years. So it is very quiet. It's very nice braille. It's softer braille, to my touch at least, than you get either on the Orbit Reader or the Braille Me. But mm-hmm. it's, it's very clear, and you, you are right. It's perfectly quiet. On both the left and the right ends of the display, there's a lot of blank space on the unit. Just the way the little display is centered there leaves a lot of blank space. So I'm wondering if they could create a BI-20 or, or something with, with with more cells because 14 cells really isn't very much. There are files that I would like to load on here, but more for reference than for outright reading. Like, I don't know that I would put barred fiction on here. Mm-hmm. I could, but it would be more things that I want to look up, that I want to have access to. This is sort of my pencil and paper. I can jot down notes. I can refer to information. I can connect it with my iPhone. If I'm in an area that's really loud and I can't hear my iPhone, let's say, for example, that I went to a restaurant and I found their menu online, but it was just too loud to hear it. I could then connect this to my iPhone and I could read the menu in Braille. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because years and years back, Humanware had the keynote companion. And I feel like a possible name for this could have been a companion because it really is sort of meant primarily instead of a standalone thing, although you can use it that way, it's meant more as a companion device. Yeah, I would agree with that. It would be very practical, I would think, if you're in that restaurant and you realize, man, I need to pull out my Brilliant to read the menu, it would probably be pretty easy to get it connected and going even in a noisy restaurant. Yes, definitely. You're not really having to do much on the iPhone. It's pretty much all done on the Brilliant. Now, there is a Brilliant Sync app, and you do need that, especially for the synchronization of notes. Yeah, let's try they- to describe that. Yeah, a little bit so that people can have an idea of what we're talking about, because it's really perhaps the most unique feature of this particular device. And I don't know of any other Braille device like this that does this right now. The idea is that you can set things up so that the notes that you take on the Brilliant will be synchronized to the notes on, say, your iOS device, and you do it actually through an email account. The easiest one to do this syncing through that I've found is to use a Gmail account. It requires you to be running, as you were just about to say, the the sync app on your phone. But it, the app doesn't have to be in the foreground. It can be as long as it's running in the background. When you either give a command on the Brilliant to sync up or typically if you just put it in terminal mode, it will go ahead and sync over anything that has changed either in the Gmail folder inside your notes app on your phone or that's changed inside the Gmail folder on the Brilliant. They will stay in sync. Just to give you a couple examples. Let's say that you are in a meeting 
and you take notes with the Brilliant BI 14. You could even leave your iPhone in another room if you wanted. It doesn't matter. It can be with you. It doesn't have to be. And then after the meeting, you can go back and you can sync that information and that note will show up on your iPhone. Conversely, let's say that you go out for a walk and you just have your iPhone and you meet someone on the way that you know and maybe they wanna give you information or they tell you, hey, the meeting on Thursday has been moved to the following Thursday. You could write or dictate a note on your phone and then when you go back, you could synchronize and it would be on your Brilliant BI 14. Mm -hmm. Now, I had some trouble with this synchronization at first. It wasn't working well. And I would kill both the Brilliant Sync and the Notes app from the app switcher and bring them back and it wouldn't work. And so basically I was having to turn off my phone and turn it back on. However, within the past week, an update to the Brilliant Sync app, which you need. And I just want to specify if you go looking for it, that is Sync as in synchronize. So it's S-Y-N-C. There is an update that has come out in about the last week. And that has markedly improved, at least in my experience, the syncing process. Good. Yeah, I wasn't having that trouble, but the update is also working fine for me. And I see in the notes for the update that they've also introduced a way apparently to use the Sync app to update the, the Brilliance firmware. I am pleased to see this option come along because before this capability, you had to connect the Brilliant to a Windows machine to update the firmware. Mm -hmm. And I should add too that if the process of syncing this stuff seems daunting to you, there is information. You can get the user guide that comes with the Brilliant. Gotta put in a plug for Mystic Access again. Humanware has contracted with Mystic Access to do a free tutorial. It's free to anyone, whether you have the Brilliant BI 14 or not, and you can listen to that and get an idea of how the Brilliant BI 14 works. And I would really advise that you consider doing that, especially in this case, because it is free. My colleague, Kim Loftus, did a very good job with it. But it's important when you buy the Brilliant BI 14 that you understand what you're getting. And I don't mean that in an ominous way, like understand what you're getting in for. I'm just saying understand that it's not something, at least at present, where you can put your entire Bard collection on. It's really meant to either be used kind of to take your own notes and or to interface with other devices. Now, maybe you have a lot of Bard books on your iPhone in the Bard app. Perfect. You can read them on this if you want to. But as far as standalone reading, it's not how it works. For me, I love this concept. It's been exactly what I needed and wanted. But I can see where somebody who thought they were getting a traditional note taker might be a little disappointed. I definitely agree with that. And I use my other devices much more often in standalone mode 
than I do connected to my phone. I love having the uh, books that I'm reading on my SD card with the Braille Me and the Orbit Reader. I agree with your earlier statement about wishing that this six or eight gigs of memory that the, the Brilliant has built into it could be used to store some files or that there could be a reasonably easy way to grab a file from your Dropbox or from iCloud and open it and read it on the Brilliant. It seems like this is an awful lot of storage. I mean, who's going to have six or eight gigs of notes, right? I mean, it's just, it seems like a lot of wasted memory at this point. Yeah. And I, I can only assume, I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but I can only assume that maybe they envisioned this capability when they came out with it, but it's simply just not here yet. It's been out less than a year. There is one thing that I would like to see fixed in the firmware, and apparently this bothers me more than anyone that I've talked to who has the brain. People don't seem to care much, but at the moment, you can't write and edit in uh, UEB. It won't go into UEB. You, you can write and edit fine in U.S., braille contracted braille but for whatever reason ueb is broken if you try to put it in ueb you wind up in computer braille i'm not a huge fan i can read it better than i can write it uh-huh. so that hasn't been an issue for me but i can see where that would be very frustrating just to reiterate some things that we had discussed this does not have a way to use any removable media so unlike the Orbit Reader or the Braille Me, it does not run, for better or worse, on an SD card. So that is also something to be aware of. The menu structure is very simple. I like the fact that there are multiple ways to do things. Basically, your menu, all you have are your notes, your uh, time, there's a stopwatch, and there's, I think, like an about area and some settings uh-huh settings yes yeah so there's not for example a calculator or a calendar in that way it is like the braille me and the orbit reader 20 but it does not have the features that we associate with some note takers at least not at present it's pretty quick to start up you hold the power button down for a second or two and it goes through a quick starting process, but it's pretty quick to start up. You can use first letter navigation commands to jump right to notes if you want to start a note quickly. You can use the joystick to get down to notes. You can use the thumb keys to get down there. There are many times two or three ways to accomplish the same thing. That way people can use it how they're most comfortable. Yeah, I find I'm consistently inconsistent. Yeah. I'll use the thumb keys in one second and then another second I'm using the joystick or I'm using dot one and dot four chord or whatever, you know, I'm, I don't know, just whichever way my brain decides is the best way at the moment to navigate. And I love having that flexibility. Yeah. The beauty of it is they all work. They all do what you expect them to do. It is one of those Braille devices that does allow dots with the space bar to be pressed when you're editing. 
and it's easy to do a chord command by mistake and wind up somewhere other than where you thought you were. And that's unfortunate for this device, especially if you're going to try to type really fast on it. And it doesn't have as rich editing capabilities as you would find on the other two. So for example, you can't mark a block of text and delete it. Yeah, the editing is pretty primitive. Again, we're talking more of a companion device to be used with other things. I mean, if I needed to do hardcore editing, this would not be the device I would want to use. In general, I just want the equivalent of paper and pencil and interface with my iPhone that I can tuck into my purse and just kind of leave there and have with me to use kind of in an instant. And so for my particular use case, it fills that bill quite nicely. I really like what you're saying, Lisa, because I think it's a point that really needs to be made is this is really a companion device. It is really like a paper and pencil kind of grab it and jot something down or connect with the iPhone to, to, to study a menu or read something that you need to get through, even like I could see looking up a phone number or doing something that you need to do and your place is too noisy to do it with, with voiceover and speech. But we, we shouldn't try to assume or make this out to be a, a, a full-fledged, Anything as far as its standalone capabilities. I mean, yes, you can you can take notes on it, but you have some limitations there that you've that you've just described very well. But I don't think that was really the intent wasn't no. to make it that. I do wish, honestly, that it, it was a little less expensive. Not that it isn't you know worth a lot, and and they've done a nice job with it. But I, I would like it to be sort of a $500 companion instead of a $900 companion. I think that yeah. makes it a little more reasonable, especially when you sort of compare it to what's out there with, with the Orbit Reader and the Braille Me. But I do feel like what it does, it does well. And another thing that we should add is there is a fair amount of feedback in the form of vibrations. Mm-hmm. So... When you connect it to a device or when you press a cursor routing button or whatever, it will vibrate. So you're not having to rely on sounds. So if you have hearing loss, that is really good. And, you know, I think human wear are to be commended because they're not hyping this to be something that it is not. They're telling you exactly what it is. This is where it really is on you, the user, to do that homework and figure out what it is, and see if it will meet your particular needs. I think even more than reading the manual, listening to the tutorial will help. I still just think about, I compare everything to the VersaBraille that I carried around. And so I love that we have devices that are uh, this small and convenient. It's very thin. It's well-constructed. It's made of nice plastic. It, it I mean, it feels... Like heavy duty, not prone to shatter. Yeah. And the fact that the lanyard, if we didn't make it quite clear, actually attaches to the the brilliant itself, not to the case, means that you certainly could give it a try without 
the case on it if you were going to be in a situation where it would just be nice to sit in your meeting all day and not have to you know worry about the bulk of the case the mm-hmm. lanyard is a bit of a fooler because when i first touched it i thought oh this isn't going to be that sturdy the actual strap feels like a lanyard more than a strap it feels mm-hmm. like a glorified ribbon yeah. uh, but a strong one but then at each end of the ribbon are these little rings mm-hmm. and you put them through the holes in the brilliant the vario ultra had the same setup and i thought oh my goodness these will never hold and for the two and a half years that i had my vario ultra they held nicely and those were a little thinner than these uh-huh. and god forbid the worst would happen and it would break you know chances are great that it would not be both at the same time yeah I found that although they're thin, they're really, really sturdy. You know, one thing that I, I really like about the Brilliant is the really well done interface with the iPhone. I think they really worked hard to marry this device with the iPhone, especially. When you have it connected to the iPhone, the joystick takes you through the screen of yep. the iPhone, just like you were flicking left and right through the screen. Yep, it's it, great. I think a lot of thought went into the design of this device and how the designers intended it to be used. And it it really is very well done and very well thought out, I think. So if we were to just reiterate as we come to a close and summarize, I just want to highlight one more time two things that that you've mostly said. One is make sure you have a good idea of what the Brilliant BI-14 was really designed to do and make sure that those are the things that you want to do with it before you make your purchase so that you don't end up getting something that you didn't expect. And the second thing dovetailing on that is to get that Mystic Access tutorial that's available for free to anyone. That is kind of our summary of the BI-14. You know, I I realize that there are a few other low-cost Braille devices that are pretty popular out there. I just ran out of money. I just couldn't keep buying them. Hims has a nice one called the Smart Beetle. I know a lot of people like the Focus 14. I'm not sure if it quite falls under the thousand dollar cutoff that I had said. I'm not sure about either of those, actually, what their exact prices are. There are other ones out there, and chances are that there will be more. And so maybe you're bummed because you're considering a particular display, and we didn't talk about your favorite one. Well, a lot of the principles and the things that we talked about, you know, look for this and look for that, and do your homework and get hands-on if you can those principles for exploring and purchasing can pretty much be applied to anything. I want to thank you all for staying with us during this series of podcasts. And I especially want to thank you, Lisa, for taking so much of your valuable time to do this. I really appreciate you offering your expertise on these devices. And I suspect that the Tech Doctor listeners appreciate that because I don't know, I couldn't have done this without you. So thanks a lot for doing it. Oh, I love doing it. I love these kind of deep dives into stuff. Well, if people would like to 
ask you questions or get in touch with you about some of the things we've covered, can you give them an email address? Sure. Probably the easiest way to reach me is by contacting me at lisa at mysticaccess. And that, just to be safe to spell it, is M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com. That's my work email. If we end up going over into the personal, I would probably just move it to my personal email. But that's the easiest one to say, to remember. And I can also help you with questions that you might have because we do have tutorials, the free one on the Brilliant BI-14, and then the paid ones on Orbit Reader 20 and Braille Me. And so I can give you any information that might be of help to you. And the best way to reach me right now is through my personal email address, which is nc5r at iCloud.com. nc5r, which is a ham radio call, at iCloud.com. This is Robert, one of the tech doctors, and I will say so long for now. And for the last time, at least for now, channeling Allison Mervis, I will say, Bye, everyone.